Hello and welcome. You are listening to On Resistance Radio on KPFK. We're also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash on-resistance for past shows. So today we're in the studio. Hi, I'm Jay. Hello, I'm Bobby. And we are going to be starting a series on tactics, going through various tactics. And today we wanted to start by talking about the strike, the tactic of the strike, and what is what does a strike mean and how is it achievable? Is it achievable? I definitely think strikes are achievable, but I guess it just depends on, you know, what we're talking about when we say strike. For me, I see strike for the idea of like really us moving away from capitalism and hierarchy and um, creating our own alternatives and autonomous communities. So further to be a strike to actually be able to exist means that there would need to be a rent strike, which means we would have to strike buying food, which means that we would need some sort of security to protect us from the police and private security and stop evictions. Like there's layers to what actually having a strike would have to, um, that would require. So I don't think strikes is one word (laughs) that you do in a day and it ends up being parades and rallies or you just don't show up to work because, you know, you have a salary and you're just going to use a sick day. I think that strikes take sacrifice. And if we're going to ask for that sacrifice, then we also have to protect each other. It's a problem when you have middle to upper class liberals calling for strikes who are paid protesters. Um, you know, they're paid activists with their nonprofits or their organizations. And it's dangerous when they're calling for strikes and they don't really have a risk. You know, it's it's almost the same as when they call for civil disobedience and they can afford to get arrested because they can also afford to have like the NLG represent them and have that sort of protection. So when we're actually talking about people who are living paycheck to paycheck or people who are houseless or people who um, are domestic workers, you know, people who are already participating in striking capitalism, but not by choice. All of those voices were neglected from any of the conversations of strikes that have happened quote-unquote strikes that have happened so far this year. There's a lot that takes to actually really implement something that is going to try to halt the machine of capitalism. Yeah, when I hear about, you know, particularly I think the last four or five years, there has been um, energy around striking on May Day, International Workers' Day, and there has been varying degrees of organizing and preparation that have gone into that Uh, those attempts. And um, now we're seeing kind of with the regime change or Trump in this position, um, more and more people are talking about doing strikes and kind of in the process are redefining what a strike is, which I don't think is necessarily expanding or actually making us any more prepared for direct needs being met? Um, Should we not be able to rely on slash should we no longer want to rely on the state processes or our workplaces because we know they don't value us and we know we're undervalued and we know we're exploited, you know, in all arenas of life. So I think uh, right now the strike is a hot button word, but the definition of what is meant, the goals of what these strikes are which are really just days of action, is still unclear. The goals are very unclear 
in what they're branding themselves as. But if you actually look at it, it's not that unclear because the speakers are senators and like the women's, uh, the cis women's strike, it's a good way to describe it, in downtown LA had multiple senators speaking and multiple, you know, organizations that, you know, were very city heavy processes, you know, institutional um, political interests were present. It tends to be a situation where strike is now coming to mean like we all, you know, march or something. And I think we have to talk about the goals of a strike because there are multiple ways to look at it. I think the traditional leftist way to look at a strike is a collective action, a type of collective action um, that could show up as like a walkout or a blockade of um, a workplace or a site that has actually harmed people in the community. There's a collective action that takes place and there's certain concessions that might be in mind or goals or demands that tends to still be within the framework of um, mediating our conditions and then going back to them afterwards, should there be any type of consensus granted or towards us or any demands are met. And trying to like make a shift in how we look at strikes as like, if we do want to be able to not rely on our workplaces and not rely on the state and then the police and these agencies that are harming us, then uh, of course it's not going to be achievable right off the bat or in a day. But what are some things we can practice to get to a place where we do have more autonomy and where we can answer the difficult questions where like, well, someone might lose their job and what does that actually mean practically versus like romanticizing it and kind of not addressing those those possible aspects of it. Which I think has been like a general thing that has been going on and we might have touched upon it before in the last show. So the big liberal voice right now is Women's March, right? There's like a big thing with liberals to use radical jargon. Um, so they use like general strikes or the resistance or revolt and you know, but all of this means is just like vote. Like, they're just using it as a sentiment for vote, elect this person, become an, you know, re-energize the Democratic Party. Like, that's all of it, of what it means. Um, And so if we're really trying to halt this disastrous whirlwind of a system that we're in right now, then it really, before you can halt, you have to sort of prepare as much as you can and, like, build. I think as, you know... As there's bombs happening by the U.S. government to communities in Afghanistan and wars being funded, and we really have to look at the military-industrial complex and look at, you know, how could a strike affect that? You know, how could stopping that machine go about? How do we stop weapons from being made? How do we stop the selling of death? There can also be, like, topical strikes. I think that like a global strike against the weapons industry is needed. I mean, their first line defense and our first line of attack. So also looking at how we can have strikes in like various ways that until we get to the point where it can be an actual move and like push away sustainable, you know, alternatives away from capitalism. But it would be cool to see waves of strikes that were not just like one day strikes, or not even one day strikes, one day like rallies. And I actually think people should stop participating in these like activist holidays because 
all we're doing is like continuing the myth that they're anything but that. And, you know, May Day is a bunch of unions and liberal organizations. Now, Black Lives Matter or the majority, aka like Black Lives Matter and debit card, because, <laughs> you know, that's rad. They're also going to be participating in Women's March, also is going to be participating, you know, all the co-opters are going to be participating. And so I feel like we really need to focus on building a movement with people who we want to be in solidarity with instead of like trying to hop onto all of these like mass liberal actions. And we need to fight co-optation really, really quickly. And it can't just be the same voices out there on their own. This needs to be as much part of our action as being on the street needs to be fighting co-optation because um, co-optation works in the state's benefit in their favor. You look at what was going on with the Ferguson uprising and now look at where Black Lives Matter it is and tell me that co-optation isn't dangerous. It's kind of like I drifted away from strikes, but <laughs> like it's all kind of together because that's the thing. It's strike. It's an action, but like it's a larger picture of what we're really talking about. And what we're really talking about is autonomy. Yeah, the strike is a tactic, but within that tactic, there are many others that can be taken. So that's another thing is like no strike. During a strike, in my opinion, our challenge is to create pathways to increase our capacity to be able to actually not just react to policies and things, but to actually choose avenues, spaces that we want to hold. I'm completely supportive of you know, choosing certain targets in the area, whether they're banks or, yeah, people's workplaces or whatever. I do think there's an overemphasis on viewing a strike only from the perspective of the workplace. Uh, I think that we need to also look at how many other avenues there are for striking um, and how it applies to all sectors of life, because all sectors of our life are, you know, we are able to be exploited, whether, like it was mentioned, like housing or social strikes, like we want an end to police terrorism and systematic racism, and a strike is a viable tactic for that as well. Because really, the it's to me, it's like, how do we bring things to a grinding halt so that things can be addressed? The shift that we need to make, I think, is who are we asking to address these issues? And the current liberal organizing is consistently gathering people for the benefit of the currently established political process. And that's why they're bringing in speakers and they're running candidates and kind of staying in that same cyclical loop of civic engagement. And to me, the that's actually, not only is that not a strike, but because part of it is like to strike is to whatever, if you're refusing to go to work or whatever you're gathering, you're also like trying to use your energy differently. So you're trying to, maybe you have some shared goals that you've decided for this day, we're going to do this. And I think it's okay if it starts out as one day. How do you continue that energy? And then how do we shift it where we recognize, okay, actually the reason why we can't be out here daily or weekly or this is because these are the this is what's limiting our capacity. These are the barriers that are affecting people's participation or the spaces that we have access to because those same barriers are what we're trying to overthrow. So, of course, if they're limiting participation in any type of action, whether whatever tactic is being taken in a strike, our task is to address those barriers because that is what we want to transform. 
So it's like like the same barriers preventing people from being able to strike are the ones that are oppressing people that are why we need to strike. Or to me, like a strike being a collective action, not just a collective gathering, not just a gathering that is putting forth questions or demands, but a gathering that is saying also we ourselves can do this. And if we can't, because of these barriers that we want to overthrow, what do we need to do to change and increase our capacity to do this and to be effective? But also, you know, what what does that mean? What does that look like? Because the criteria that we're using is different depending on what the goals are. So if the goal is us increasing our autonomy, so we don't have to rely on the state to decide to, va- to value people's lives. We actually are increasing our capacity to value each other's life over here autonomously, you know, and also increasing our capacity to defend ourselves because if we do come up with viable alternatives that are being supported, you know, it will be attacked. So there's just a lot of preparation that goes into it and it's not just a gathering and it's also like, you know, doing it for ourselves I really wanted to sort of for this series or at least for this show like challenge myself to think of like how would this happen like how can this happen and like leave my despair outside the studio. (laughs) First thing I think of um, is that depending on what kind of strike it is. So I had this idea that it would be cool if next president election on election day let's have a general strike. So let's spend the next you know three and a half years now or whatever time's left of his presidency, basically building alternative communities, really focusing on like all the things that would be needed for us to sustain ourselves and not participate in the election, understanding that no matter who becomes president, we're going to strike against the system because we're saying like no more of this government, no more of this economic system, like we're tired of it. I think a large part of like why people are so holding on to... um, this sort of form of representative government is because they don't know the alternative, right? So it's like, I think if you really do build neighborhood assemblies or assemblies of just different ideas and topics and things, you know, like of whatever's needed, you know, assemblies of water, assemblies of food, assemblies of streets, whatever, um, and people start to see that they can do it themselves, the more they start to do it themselves, the more they're wondering, well, why do I need you? And I think people just have to be empowered. So if we spend four years empowering ourselves, then when it comes time for, you know, Hillary versus Trump or (laughs) whatever clown they're going to throw at us, then we can say no and start off the election that way instead of like waiting till 2020 and then being like, don't vote. F voting and then like protest for like a week, depending whoever gets in, and then that's it. No, like long term is as anti-statists, anti-authoritarians, horizontalist, autonomous people, then like we need to be working towards building autonomy. That action needs to start happening now. On an individual affinity group level, you know, doing it with your own immediate people who you live with, and then your core group outside of that, your family, and so forth and so forth. But on a larger level, I think it's something that needs to be talked about um, both locally here in what is called L.A., throughout this land called the U.S., and also all around the world. Um, I think we need a global strike and cannot just be isolated into our own little made-up nation states. So I think, like, the first step is initiating that in a real way, 
while at the same time being extremely defensive of co-optation by liberals, if it actually gains steam. Part of it is also recognizing that, you know, we can't always be trying to, we have to counter co-optation and also give ourselves space to build with other autonomous-leaning, critical, anti-status folks. Because we're constantly being, a comrade calls it resistance washing, <laughs> like they're constantly trying to rewrite and redefine and water down what resistance is to make it more palatable to make sure that the government isn't in any way threatened. Because of that, we're constantly trying to bridge this like liberal leftist gap. Um, at least I think the left is. Like myself, you know, I don't think we can wait to convert um, or to decrute. And I think that's a really draining battle. But also understand that when we take action, we're also expanding the possibilities of what people believe is possible. And we shouldn't be afraid to take action when liberals are taking action. Really, they're the ones that come in and co-opt and tail ride every every uh, situation of oppression that happens that comes up. And they try to readapt it back into um, non-solution oriented system reliant thinking. How can we go forward and I think direct action. I get really frustrated because I feel like there is a lack of direct action and I think that's the most direct way to learn that possibilities can be expanded and I think whatever is being called a strike as we prepare to actually be able to have the capacity to strike and to build autonomy and these strikes are so symbolic. They're parades. There's not even any direct action associated with it. I mean, I haven't even seen any civil disobedience since um, Trump really got in office. There was some repression by police. Just understanding that us doing things that we find are effective and building capacity as people who are critical of the state and fascism and authoritarianism and all the forms it takes that just by doing that, if we can get find a way to do that, that will expand possibilities for folks in general without us having to have an explicitly like, oh, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this to show liberals something or whatever. So I think that's important. There are so many tactics available to us and there's so many skill sets that people you might already have that we can just start taking kind of an inventory on skills we have slash skills that we might want to develop slash skills that we don't know about, we would learn about, but we would support. And then going forward and like seeing how that's relevant to intentional struggle, because right now we're pressured in this um, system to only use and hone and develop the skills that are profitable to others under capitalism that we can sell, that we can market in order to make a wage to survive. But there's lots of skills that people have that we can also find commonalities or start sharing the knowledge and like skill sharing, essentially, but with the intent of using it for resistance. Um, and I think part of it is like getting used to the idea that whatever that looks like, it's not always long term. Like sometimes we gather and we have like a fluid discussion and everyone leaves changed. But that same exact grouping or discussion might not happen again. Um, and sometimes we get really down on ourselves because organizing is measured in a particular way. And so I think just getting into a culture of developing our skills and, you know, could be individually, whatever, however you feel comfortable, 
but also uh, forming, yeah, small, you know, small to medium-sized affinity groups with other people based on maybe the skill you have or that you want to learn or that you want to explore and just continuing to build those skills but with resistance in mind. I mean, I think we need to, there needs to be a revival in direct action. And I think, I don't know, people are super hesitant because of how traumatic it can be and repressive it can be. But when that happens, if we all show up with all these skills that we've been developing specifically for this purpose, then, you know, we will be more um, self-organized for that. And we don't have to all be part of one uniform agenda to support each other and help each other. But we can have, you know, organized more intimately with people we're comfortable with and then come together and still share maybe tools that we have developed for that those specific scenarios. And I do think that, you know, after J20 and seeing, like, people are facing, like, 10 years, there was a message that was sent. And um, I think greater risk has been a little, like, frightened away. And I think that's why there has to be this added level of, like, okay, well, what do you do when when repression happens? And so I think there has been successful strikes. There has been some hunger strikes happening in um, ICE detention centers. There have been strikes happening throughout the country at different prisons. And I think that when those happen, we need to find ways to like support people. That is doing more than just doing like noise demos, even though I know noise demos can be very powerful. And I think um, again, building to like towards being like autonomous people. That means we have to like sometimes use direct action to demand our autonomy and for the autonomy of those that have been taken away. And so part of fighting against the repression that will happen when you begin to try to self-determine your life is we were going to need to start having ways to free people from prisons and from um, detainment centers. I think that you know, when strikes like that are happening, when people are already taking that risk inside, then solidarity has to look like taking that risk outside. And like, there's already a strain inside the prisons because of the strikes that are happening. So there's like a weakness. And so when there's a weakness, then, you know, using the word strike, we have to strike it, (laughs) you know. And so one thing that can come out of strikes and you know, different levels of it. And like, especially if it's something that's continuous happening is that it drains resources and it wears them down. And like Jay Ray was saying, we do need more direct action because the more direct action we have, the more we're out there, the more it will empower others. Also, you know, even though that's not the goal, but like even not just empowering like liberals, I'm not really empowering ourselves because I think we've been disempowered as well. Um, I know I have. You kind of have to get back into the rhythm of it, you know. You have to get back into the feeling of this is something I can do. Yes, like, it's terrifying, but, like, so is everything else in this world. It's important that we also make sure that we coordinate on different levels of people who are currently being imprisoned and detained as a method how we fight repression as we try to move towards having autonomy. Yes, I think that another aspect would be as people prepare, develop their skills, you know, with varying degrees of sharing with each other and possibly become more, make the conflict more visible through direct action. Because I think right now what's visible, what's very visible is oppression. Oppression is super freaking visible every day, all day, you know, in all our social media. We, people are doing a lot of immediate kind of like info sharing about messed up things that are happening and breaking down why they're messed up and a lot of teaching and a lot of that. But 
it's like, how can we make resisting more visible? And so I think that includes what some people are doing, which is going to the site and boycotting and and blockading the location where the woman was attacked in the beauty salon. And, you know, yes, it's being taken apart online and we're, we're deconstructing it and we're calling out why it's messed up, but it's also like having a visible presence and counterforce and opposition. And so I think that is what we can build for and um, yeah, preparation for uh, repression and then also understanding that. And I think I'm just going to say this like not as a, a downer thing, but like as like a as oppressed people who have the most vested interest in resistance. A lot of the times folks already have trauma and then coming into movement spaces like I don't want to pretend like that's magically not going to be the case. Like a lot of the time is preparing for oppression is that there will likely be compounded uh, trauma. And so I think that is maybe uh, part of the preparation is like, how can we, you know, how can we Skillshare and prepare and take action and not be treating each other like expendable resources? Like we're using each other to like get the movement ahead. and, And meanwhile, at the end, you know, that person is never going to come back <laughs> because it's <laughs> exhausting and repression is so damning. So all these things are different forms of preparation and, and there are so many tactics. I don't want people to be discouraged because there are so many tactics and some of them are empowering and after a while some of them can become disempowering. I mean, I like to think maybe if we, I think rotating skills and rotating uh, tactics is really important too to prevent burnout. That's why I think it's cool to also think about, you know, what skill you'd want to do for the sort of alternative. Because, yeah, maybe you're on the food strike committee and you're working on just making community gardens, like, wherever and, like, growing food. And, like, maybe you're on the water committee and you're figuring out where all the water pipes and wells and systems are and how do we, like, take it over and creating maps and plans for that. You know, there's different areas that are all important. I think um, there's a level of, like, ableism when, like, only people who are, you know, willing to get arrested or front lines or throwing Molotovs are only considered like the real, you know, like I hear so much talk about how you must be willing to die. That's like a huge rhetoric, you know, the real activist community and people are doing the real work. And I don't think a person can really be honest with themselves if they're willing to die for something until that moment comes. And so a question like that to me is kind of misleading and dishonest. And also not everyone's going to be willing to die. Like, you know, like the whole point is we want to live. We want to live better. And so I just think that we kind of have to deconstruct that idea of what it means to be in the resistance and be a real activist. And like I use that voice because I I can hear the people who have said it to me. (laughs) And so um, there's levels to what these strikes, right, because it's not one strike and then we fix all. There's levels to what these strikes, what these actions are going to look like and how people can participate. And there's a difference from saying that and then at the same time me saying like, okay, but when they have those liberal women's day rallies, that like, no, <laughs> like that, that actually, and they use the word strike and then they have like senators and like politicians speaking like that is an act of co-optation and an act to like purposely like sway you know, people who want some kind of change, people who want something different back into the same status quo. And that itself is violence. That act is like purposely deterring. That's why we keep feeling like we're just treading instead of actually moving forward. There is an ideology difference. There isn't just like this, we all want things to change. Like, no, like 
I'm specifically using the word autonomy and specifically using the word autonomous people because that's different than someone who just wants to have like a government with elected official who like they can hope makes the right decisions for them. I do not want someone to represent me. I do not believe I should be represented. I do not believe in this government. That's two different worlds right there. (laughs) You know, there's no meeting halfway. And so I think that's like a big thing too is for us to kind of like be honest about you know what do you want what kind of world are you trying to build because there's no way we're trying to build all the same world and that's kind of like the reality but the thing is like i should be able to exist in the one i want as long as it doesn't go against your consent unless i don't force it upon you as it's being forced upon myself i'm just trying to like exist without being told how to i even feel like that is why autonomy is different because it's specifically meant to not be built on the oppression and suffering of others and not to coerce like entire masses of people into one centralized way of being and to then enforce that economy and society. Um, So it's like one thing, it's like this structure is built on depriving people of autonomy, but autonomy is not the reverse of it. You know, autonomy is not going to be built on that same principle. It's the the opposing force of that principle that, you know, many worlds can exist in one. Not everyone has to be absorbed into this one world, which is the centralized governing process and authority that most people look to for solutions. And basically, essentially, folks are saying, no, that's not the way to organize. That's actually the way to organize harm and the way to organize oppression. And it's very effective and profitable for certain people to have this hierarchy, but that's not that's not everyone's goal. And I think, yeah, we don't want that anymore. So yeah, last thoughts. I've just, with this upcoming May Day, I would say that there's a lot of factions and groups and unions that are organizing symbolic actions. Um, please go if you feel like you have support, you know, and do whatever you want instead of those things. And I would suggest I just think that I just think that the energy of direct action is transformational to the participant not just to the spectator but um I will say that what's problematic about the women's march now being in solidarity with the mayday uh strike is that they are saying that they're going to be there doing voter registration so essentially what they're doing is they're saying oh we support the strike which is you know historically collective action for some determined or undetermined goal and now they're vote washing it essentially and saying that no it's just a gathering where we're all going to try to get people to be reabsorbed into supporting the government and the this support of this endless support and apologism for the government just needs to stop For people who kind of have a hard time imagining many worlds existing with like their own sort of ways of facilitating coexistence, I would just to people think about houses where they live and how each place that people live have their own guidelines on how they live there. You know, like, do you take your shoes off? What's your washing dishes policy? Like, you know, there's that own world. So we already have many worlds that coexist already um, just in that kind of way. Now it's, well, we're facilitating the larger, like, which is how we coexist with each other. And this current government already does not work. Like, this isn't working, obviously, right? It's not working. No one's happy. Everyone's miserable. Instead of continuing to do this same thing that does not work, simply let's try to do something different. And so I think that one of the tactics which we are discussing or we discuss on the show, which is striking, you know, direct action, can be one of the possibilities in which how we can find 
that, you know, we do have this power and that, you know, we deserve it, right? We deserve to live our best lives, like, and not just humans, but like all beings. Um, and so I think that it'd be cool if people listening to the show think about it. Just think how you would participate. Think about, you know, in your neighborhood, like how that can exist and maybe then talk about it. Um, and then get back to us and let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio. We're on the radio at KPFK 90.7 every Friday at 7.30, except for the first Friday of the month. You can find our past shows on SoundCloud, www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. We're on Instagram, On Resistance LA, and we are on Facebook. Um, you can also email us at onresistanceradio at gmail.com, but Facebook is probably quicker. Thank you. Oh, and click, if you're on our SoundCloud, click subscribe so that you can see when we have our new shows go on, just in case you don't follow us on social media.